You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon is the last in a three-part series titled The Joy of Giving Up. It was recorded on October 27th, 2019. A reading from the second letter to the Corinthians. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ, and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today is the final week in a three-week sermon series that we've been doing on the joy of giving up. We've been talking about the biblical virtues of generosity and of stewardship of the resources that God has blessed us with. And in the first sermon, we talked about the Apostle Paul, who wrote the second letter to the Corinthians. And we met the Corinthians who were the believers in the church that he was writing to, and how they were excellent in everything, Paul said. And we also meant the generous Macedonians, who were from a neighboring church, and even though they had very little, they were very generous with the little that they had. And last week we talked about the way that we handle money, and how the way that we handle money has a remarkable and formative effect on our hearts which is much more powerful than anything that we can say with our mouths. When we give sacrificially, we imitate Christ, who became poor for our sake. And as St. Paul says, this very act of giving increases our desire to give. And it trains us in Christlikeness and gives us an authentic witness in the world. So as we look at this third and final sermon in the series, we're going to turn to chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, where Paul uses a metaphor of farming to talk about the last section of giving. So uh, to do that, we're going to first talk about Farmer Evans. Farmer Evans was driving his John Deere tractor along the road one day with a trailer full of fertilizer. And Tim, a little boy of eight, was playing by the side of the road, and he saw Farmer Evans, and he, he waved to him and said, Hey, Farmer Evans, what are you carrying in your trailer today? And Farmer Evans said, well, manure. And Tim said, well, what are you going to do with that manure? 
And Farmer Evan said, I'm going to spread it on my strawberries. And Tim said, well, you should come to my house, because in my house, we put ice cream on our strawberries. <laughs> Fertilizer is very important when we are farming, because it is the thing that gives nutrients to the plants that we put in the ground, and it helps them to grow. And the other important component of that, aside from water and sunlight, is, of course, the seed, the seed that we put into the ground. And there's three things that you can do with seed, basically. The first of all is you can consume it. You can eat it uh, in all of its delicious ways. The second thing you can do is you can store it. And the third thing that you can do is you can sow it, put it in the ground so that it bears more fruit. And similarly, there are three things that we can do with money. We can spend it, we can save it, and we can give it, or as Paul says, we can sow it. He uses this metaphor of money as seed for sowing. We spend regularly on our needs and our wants. And this is an important thing to do. There are all kinds of things that we need to spend money on, and so we do them very regularly, maybe even every day. We have to pay for food. We have to pay for our house bill and for our electric bill and for our water bill. We have to pay for our car and the gas that we put into it. We have to pay for uh, our clothes. There's lots of things that we have to spend money on. Some of them we need and some of them we want, and that's okay too. So spending is the first thing we can do with our money, and it's the one that comes most naturally to us. I think most of us are pretty good at spending money. The second category is a little bit harder because it means that we have to delay gratification. So we don't just get to spend it, we have to save it for another time and then we get some gratification out of it later. And so you might save money for a big purchase, like a car. Most of us can't just whip out the money for a car and, and put it down this month and so we have to save over a number of months to be able to buy that car, hopefully for cash, which would be awesome. Or we save through our whole careers so that when we get to the end of our career, we may have some money that we've saved and stored and invested so that we can live in retirement and not have to work a job anymore, but have money coming to us from Social Security or from uh, investments or a 401k or those sorts of things that we sometimes have. So that's an example of saving money as well. And we might want to save money for a rainy day. You've all heard about rainy day funds those unforeseen circumstances that happen when uh, Murphy's Law happens. You know, Murphy's Law, anything that can happen will happen. So to protect ourselves against Murphy, we stick a little bit of money in our bank account and it stays there so that when Murphy comes knocking on our door, we can say, go away. I've got some savings and you don't have to bug me anymore. So these are reasons that we save our money and these are good reasons as well. It's a little bit harder to save money than to spend money because sometimes the needs that we have to spend money on seem so pressing. But it's important to make sure that we're spending some of our money on saving for the future. But then the third thing that we do with money, and this is perhaps the best and the most important of the three, is give or sow that money for God's kingdom. And of the three, this is the hardest to do because it has no immediate personal benefit to us no apparent personal benefit to us. It's just giving money away, and it doesn't come back to us. But we're going to talk a little bit about why it's important to do it and why this is perhaps the best use of our money. We need to do all three of them. We need to spend money. We need to save money. But it's also important that we give money. 
So listen to this instruction from Paul. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this, Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, you all know that this is true because if any of you have ever done any gardening, you know that if you go out into your yard with a packet of carrot seeds and you find a nice little patch of ground that has good soil and maybe even some compost in it and that sort of thing, and you put your carrot seeds in the ground, in four to six weeks, you will have carrot tops poking up, which are an indication that there's a a nice, juicy, sweet carrot down below the surface, and you can pull that up and you can eat it. And so if you put your seed in the ground, you will likely have these carrots growing underground and you can eat them on your table. Now, if you take more carrot seed and you plow up a whole field of dirt in nice rows and you plant that carrot seed up and down those rows and you give it good water and good sunlight, if you sow generously into the soil, you can expect that the carrots you receive back are going to be super abundant. You're going to have more carrots than you can eat. You're going to have carrots coming out your ears. You'll have to find something else to do with all those carrots. So when we sow, we reap what we sow. You've all heard that before. Normally we say that in a sort of pejorative way. When people make bad choices, we say, well, you reap what you sow, right? But it works in the opposite direction as well. You reap what you sow. And so if you sow bad things in your life, you will find yourself reaping bad things. But if you sow good things in your life, you will find yourself reaping the benefit of those good things. If you sow your time and energy and love into the relationships that are important with you, those relationships will flourish and you will have that time and energy and love coming back to you in the form of love from those that you are loving, those in your family, your friends. When we invest our time and attention and energy in our careers and the the time we spend in our jobs, then we can expect that we will generally excel in our jobs and, and good things will happen as a result. So when we sow good things, we usually reap good things. And what Paul says is that when we sow generously, we reap generously. And here he's talking about giving. So when we give generously, we reap generously. Now, what does he mean by that? What is the increase that Paul talks about here? Well, there's a a version of theology called the prosperity gospel, And proponents of the prosperity gospel would wrongly claim that this is God's promise that in sowing this seed, in sowing money into God's kingdom, we will reap a financial reward. And so, as I said last week, it's kind of like saying, if you put $100 in the offering plate today, you'll get $1,000 next week. Or if you put $1,000 in the plate today, you get $10,000 next week. Now, how many of you has that ever worked for? Nobody. Why? Because it's wrong. It's bad theology. But God does promise us through Paul of a particular generosity and abundance in the letter to the Corinthians today. So what is it? What is he telling us exactly? If we jump down to verse 10, he says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So there are three basic things that Paul talks about here, three basic returns on the sowing investment that we put out there. The first is bread for food. Jesus says in another place in the Gospels, he says, uh, 
Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. And that's in the context of talking about how God takes care of the birds. How many birds do you know that work a nine-to-five job so they can get a paycheck and make sure that they put food on the table? None of them. None of them. Because God cares for the birds. He provides food for the birds. And Jesus says God will also provide your needs when you seek first his kingdom. He also talks about the flowers, the lilies in the valley. And he says, which of those lilies looks ugly and terrible? None of them, because they're all clothed beautifully, even more beautifully than Solomon, who was the richest of all the kings in Israel. And Jesus says, if God cares for the lilies of the field, he will also care for you. So God knows the things that we need. And he promises us that when we seek first his kingdom, when we put that first in our life, he will make sure that we have the things that we need. And that's what Paul says when he says that we will have bread for food. Give us this day our daily bread. It's our daily provision from God for the things that we need. The second thing is seed for sowing. He just said that if we sow generously, we will also reap generously. And the the thing that we're reaping back is more seed for sowing. When we sow into God's kingdom, he will cause an increase so that we will have more seed for sowing back into his kingdom. And this is a beautiful thing about being a Christian and about sowing into God's kingdom is we get to see God's abundant provision and then we get to participate in God's kingdom blessing other people and seeing his kingdom increase and grow more and more. And then the third thing that Paul says is that there will be an increase in the harvest of your righteousness. And this is the place where you actually see a personal benefit. Giving actually helps us to become more holy. Not because we're paying for God's favor. That's one of the reasons that the Reformation happened is because there were these things called indulgences and and, uh, if you bought indulgences with your money, then you would spend less time in a place called purgatory where you're being punished for your sins. That's not good theology. It's not what we say as Anglicans. It was one of the reasons for the Reformation. That's not what we're saying here. We don't pay for God's favor, but the discipline of giving helps us to become less selfish and more generous, which makes us more like the God who created us. We have a concept in theology called original sin, and that comes back to the story of Adam and Eve and how they turned away from God. They did the one thing that God asked them not to do, which was eat from the fruit of one tree in the the Garden of Eden that he had provided for them. But the temptation there was not the fruit. The temptation from Satan was that if you eat this fruit, you will be like God, knowing good from evil. If you eat this fruit, you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Now, that doesn't seem like such a bad thing, right? It seems like it would be good for us to know the difference between good and evil. But that's not what Satan was saying. What he was saying is, if you eat this fruit, then you get to decide for yourself what's good and evil. You get to decide for yourself what is good and what is bad. And that's not the way it works, because God has objectively created everything, and he objectively knows what's good and bad, and he's told us what those things are. But when we turn away from God and we say, I don't want to follow you, I want to decide for myself, then we're turning inward on ourselves, and our natural disposition is towards ourselves and towards selfishness. But that's not who God is, and we were made in the image of God. He created us to be like him, which is not selfish, but selfless and generous. 
And so Paul says in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. We will be enriched in every way so that we can be generous in every way. God's going to provide that baseline of the things that we need, the food, the shelter, the clothing, the transportation. God knows that we need all those things. He says, set your sights on me and my kingdom. Focus on that. I'll make sure you have everything else you need, and I'll provide abundantly for the work that you're doing in the kingdom as well. That's a pretty good deal, huh? I think so. And the ultimate source and end of all of this giving is the inexpressible gift of God's grace. That's what it says in the last verse of this chapter. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. The inexpressible gift of God's grace. What is that gift? If we look in the first letter of John, he says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. John writes that God's love generates all of the love in this world. All of the love in this world is a reflection of God's love for us. So let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves God has been born of God and knows God. And then if you jump down a little bit more to verse 10, he defines love. So first of all, we see where love comes from. It comes from God. But then we have a definition of love, because God is the one who defines things for us. And he says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, which means perfect offering, for our sins. So that's God's definition of love to us. And he showed us, he demonstrated for us in the person of Jesus Christ, who left heaven to come and take on human flesh and die for our sins on the cross, taking the punishment we deserve upon himself so that we could be reconciled to God. That's what love looks like to God. It's a sacrificial kind of a love. And then John says what our response is. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So if God loved us in this sacrificial way, he also desires for us to turn outward to the people around us and love others just as he has loved us in a sacrificial kind of love. So we turn around and love others because God first loved us. And we love one another in sacrificial ways because this is the kind of love that God demonstrated to us in Christ Jesus. It's for his kingdom and for his glory that we labor. And when we give, going back to 2 Corinthians, Paul says that thanksgivings abound. When we give, thanksgivings abound. So going back to verse 11 and then continuing, he says, you will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through God, or through us, will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. So this is in the context of a collection that was being taken up for the Christians in Judea. There was a famine in that area. They were under some amount of persecution as well. And Paul was taking up a collection at all of the churches for the 
the Christians in Judea, or what we would call as Palestine today, or Israel today. And what Paul is saying is that this gift, while it seems like it's a gift to supply the needs of these Christians in Judea, the actual purpose of this gift is that thanksgivings to God may abound. The actual purpose of this gift is that thanksgivings to God may abound. This is the real harvest. And so if we rewind back to the very first verse of this chapter where Paul says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The harvest we're talking about is not so much money. It's about a harvest of thanksgiving among those who receive. And the ones who receive then give glory to God. And this is what we're hoping for in God's kingdom, for an increase in God's kingdom, for more and more people to be a part of this blessing of salvation that God offers to all of us so freely. How many of you would like to be in a church where we regularly welcome people from the outside who have never heard of Jesus and see them give their lives to God and get baptized and then live their lives for Jesus for the rest of their days? Would you like to see that like regularly happening all the time? I would. That's why we're all here after all, right? Well, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will reap generously. The harvest we're looking for is the salvation of souls who don't know Jesus and for people to give their lives to Jesus and submit their lives to Jesus so that God's kingdom can grow and expand. But here's the thing. God doesn't need your money to do that. In the Psalms, it says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God can pay for whatever he needs. He has more than plenty of, <clears throat> excuse me, of everything that he needs. But we are his children, and he wants his children to participate in the family business. He wants us to be a part of that harvest for his kingdom. He wants to, us to be a part of sowing seeds into his kingdom that they might produce a harvest of righteousness in us and a harvest of thanksgiving and glory to God in the people that we're trying to reach. He wants you to be a part of it. He invites you to be a part of it. David Roseberry, who's an Anglican priest and the author of the devotional that we've been looking at this, um, this last three weeks, uh, I hope you've enjoyed that. In one of the devotional meditations, he says, <clears throat> we sometimes think of giving money as something that happens on the side of our worship. Or perhaps we think of it as just a technical necessity. After all, we've got to keep the lights on and the water running. But that's not what we see in Paul's missionary journey. He did not separate generosity from the message of the gospel, and neither should we. They are inextricably linked together. If giving isn't a central part of our Christian life, we aren't really living the Christian life at all. When we give in the church, it's not to keep the lights on. That's part of the result of it, but that's not why we give. We don't give to keep the lights on. We don't even give to pay staff salaries in the church. We give for the harvest in God's kingdom. We give for the things that God has called us to. We give to see God's kingdom expand. We give because we have confessed the lordship of Jesus and are fully submitted to his call on all things in our life. We give to acknowledge that everything that we have belongs to the Lord, and we are merely caretakers of the things that we have, stewards 
for his glory and his kingdom. We give because God is a generous God and we are made in his image to be generous people. We give because it inspires joy in our hearts. Paul says in verse 7, Each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now the thing about that word cheerful in Greek is that it's hilaron. Hilaron. Now what does that sound like to you? Hilarious. Exactly, it sounds like hilarious. And the meaning of that word could be cheerful, it could also be merry, it could be joyful, it could be hilarious, because it is hilariously, wonderfully awesome to participate in generosity. When you see someone's life change, it is such a blessing to them that you see their face light up, you might see tears in their eyes, and they are giving glory to God for what has happened in their lives. It's amazing. And that is the result that God desires when we give in his kingdom. He desires for us to have that joy that merriment, that excitement, that hilarity. And as we talked about last week, the more you give, the more you desire to give. The initial obedience is kind of like training wheels for the joy of giving. When you're first learning to ride a bike, especially if you're a little one, you might put training wheels on your bike because it's hard to keep that bike up. And getting on that bike and practicing might seem like a chore because It's hard to keep it going in the right direction and you might fall off and and things like that. But the more you practice and the more you use those training wheels, the more you start to fly on that bicycle until you're whizzing down the sidewalk or in the middle of the street and you have this big smile on your face because you're having so much fun. And so the initial discipline of giving, which is of the three things that we do with money, the hardest thing to convince ourselves to do, when you submit to the discipline of those training wheels, you will find the joy the cheerful giving that comes with it. Most of you should have received in your mail this week a pledge card for this church for 2020. And as you pray about pledging for 2020, I want you to reflect on the things that we've talked about this month in the sermon series, in the devotional we've been reading, and in our Wednesday series that we started last week. Consider where your treasures are stored and the condition of your hearts. Consider the principles of sowing and reaping that we talked about this morning and the impact that your giving makes on God's kingdom. And consider your identity as generous persons made in the image of a generous God. Please prayerfully consider what God is calling you to give next year, this week, and bring your pledge cards back with you next week on All Saints Sunday so we can present our gifts before the Lord together as an act of worship. And I pray that in your giving this year, God will bring you great joy as you practice the discipline of giving up and the joy of giving up to him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the inexpressible gift of grace that you have bestowed upon us in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you for the example of love that you've given to us in him and for your call to us to love one another as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to you. 
And so, Lord, we present our lives before you. We present all that we are and all that we have before you, and we thank you for your grace, for your provision, for your mercy in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be generous people who reflect your generous image into this world. We pray that your kingdom would increase and that there would be a bountiful harvest of people coming to know you and giving their lives to you, that your kingdom may expand, that there may be more and more saints a part of your kingdom. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org slash sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.